Hello, everybody, and welcome to the China Tech Investor Podcast, powered by TechNode, seeking truth from facts when it comes to Chinese tech stocks and IPOs. I'm Elliot Zagman, and with me is just me. James is uh, taking a week off. He is on his way back to China after spending a year uh, during the pandemic uh, in the U.S., but uh, he's based in China, uh, so he is him and his wife and his uh, his young son are uh, finally getting an opportunity to go back. And I do not I do not envy uh, what he will I'm sure have to go through with quarantine and all that during uh, the the age of COVID. So he's he's focused on that right now. In the meantime, we got a great episode for you uh, today. We have Ziyang from Protocol. He is going to talk with us about Jerhu. Jerhu is a company that, full disclosure, I've had a lot of work uh, for and with uh, in the past, and a company that also I think anyone who really spends a lot of time on the Chinese internet is, is probably quite familiar with. After being privately held for, for quite some time, uh, they have finally gone public uh, in the United States. So, we're going to talk about them, both kind of what they mean for the Chinese internet, uh, and also uh, what investors should know about that company. Uh, as always, what we say is not investment advice. We get some of our numbers wrong sometimes, and also we have uh, various different interests, as as well as our as so do our guests as well uh, in the companies that we talk about. So do your own research. Uh, this is meant for you know take everything with a grain of salt, I guess. Make sure that you go to techno.com slash newsletters for your daily dose of China tech as well. Uh, and you could follow me on Twitter at Elliot Zagman. That's at E-L-L-I-O-T-T-Z-A-A-G-M-A-N. And James at uh, James Hall X, J-A-M-E-S-H-U-L-L-X. Uh, please remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or give us a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. We really appreciate it. It really helps people find our podcast. But now we'll uh, we'll get on to our, our discussion that uh, James joined us for uh, with Zhe Yang from Protocol. So here's Zhe Yang. Joining us today is Zhe Yang. Zhe Yang is a reporter for Protocol and he covers China Tech. Zhe, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting us. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> or maybe it's the ro- you know the royal us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For inviting <laughs> Protocol to come to this po- podcast. <laughs> Sure. Okay. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Jerhu. So Jerhu is you. You covered kind of their IPO. They, they've recently, I think, I believe at this point it's April second or April third where I am. You know, they I guess it was a week, about a, a little over a week ago that they IPO'd. So let's talk about them. So it has always been kind of my my understanding that even though the company's never really had you know a high valuation, uh, you know, I think that right now they're their uh, market cap is somewhere around five or six billion dollars. They they do play, I think, a much bigger role when it comes to kind of China's uh, kind of internet ecosystem. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of what what Zhihu is? Yeah. So first of all, I think Zhihu is one of those names that everyone knows in China. Like as long as you are online, you have a cell phone, um, you definitely have encountered Zhihu once or twice. So it has like a really strong name recognition. And also it does have a lot of users. Or because like you don't actually have to register an account to view the content on Zhihu. So it probably has mm-hmm. a lot of more a lot more views than like the number of registered members. So first of all, I so primarily I think Zhihu is a place you go to find answers to all kinds of questions, big and small. 
this can be like very very practical questions. Like if you want, to, if you're new to Microsoft Excel, you want to know what are the tricks you can learn to be better at it. Then you can go there, search for the questions, and people will teach you these tricks. But then also you can go there for more like philosophical questions. Like actually, when I was using it, one of the questions I followed was, if I have procrastination problem, how do I solve it? Like this is some. This is one of the things that you can talk a lot. Like you can talk very academically about it. You can also just share your story, share how you combat that. And、um, but there, but these are like the bigger questions that、uh, you feel like you probably won't find very easily on other platforms like Weibo, right? Um, but on on、mm. on Zhihu, there are these questions that are dedicated to these questions where people will come here to answer to share their opinions, and you can get an answer. Um, just very easily. So that's what. So、yeah. it has this like practical aspect of just going there, find an answer, and log off. Yeah, I had my my most upvoted or one of my most upvoted kind of answers that I've given on Jerhu. It was the question is why do why is America why do Americans love cars so much?、Uh, what is the answer? I, said, I just kind of get. Well, I gave an example about how like what as a teenager what it meant for me. Right,、mm. so when I got it, I I could、uh, hang out with my friends after school instead of just going home. I wrote about like going on dates for the first time, and、uh, yeah, it's、uh, that that for some reason people really like that one. But it, it definitely wasn't just like、um, I don't know how to explain this. It, it it definitely wasn't just a kind of like a, a simple basic question, right? It was something、right. about that was very kind of deep and nuanced and and and, and cultural. Right. I also think that is a very typical Zhuhu questions. Like, if you read the prospectus、mm. of Zhuhu, they started with this kind of weird section of just personal stories of how users interact with Zhuhu. But that's exactly how Zhuhu members answer questions. They start with their own. Experiences. They explain this series by、mm. their own、uh, personal touches, and that's exactly what you did. So I think there's. It also developed to a point that people started to think they are too like, like I don't know, like too fake. Like you always allude、mm. to your own experience. You always try to say, "Oh my, I have a, a like special a life."、Uh, but then people get tired of that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the、uh, I mean. The first section in, in the prospectus basically says we thought for a long time about how to share the essence of the Jerhu experience with you,、right. and they actually used real, supposedly real anecdotes contributed by their users in the prospectus. It's it's kind of bizarre、um, reading. Right. It. It's it's、uh, it's certainly it feels kind of meta in a sort of a weird way. But yes, I mean, trying to kind of explain Jerhu to the West、uh, and our audience in the U.S. I, I mean, a lot of people compare it to Quora, and they call it kind of the Quora of China,、uh, but that's not really exactly right, is it? You know how how is it like Quora, and how is it not, and how would you、uh, how does how does Jerhu themselves view themselves?、Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I have to say I am not super familiar with Coral. I use it sometimes. I search answers, but I'm not like an avid user of it.、Um, but then, first of all, I think like whenever a Chinese company is coming to the U.S. is trying to go public here, they have to find a local equivalent to explain themselves. Because when you say I am the Chinese coral, but just a little bit different. It's much easier for people to get a big picture of you before going into the details. So that's what I think what they're doing. But also, what I read is 
知乎，我我 when the founder Zhou Yuan founded 知乎 ，he was actually inspired by Quora. I think I don't remember the exact year, but at that time, like like he had been a startup founder before, but he was attracted by how Quora works, and he wanted to re- replicate that in China. So it did start, I think, pretty much similar as Quora, that um you ask ask questions and answer questions. But over time, I think it developed into something bigger. So right now, I think a, a very big difference between Quora and Zhihu is that on Zhihu. It's not just question and answers. You can also keep a blog. Like you can write about, like a personal diary. You can write a novel there. It's actually a big part of the some the content on Zhihu now. People write novels there. And one thing I encountered when I was reporting a different story, this was about micro lending, was that I found a lot of people who suffer from like big, uh, like loans, uh, could not pay back loans. They congregate on Zhihu. They share about like how much they owe, how much, how are they trying to pay back, and people kind of like comforting each other about their experiences. So I think that's what's different. Like there's like more of a community feeling that you're not just going there for question and answers. You're also kind of sharing yourself and looking, like exploring other people's life. Um, I do think that's one thing that's valuable about Zhihu. Yeah, that's I've always noticed. I mean, I think another, in some ways, a little similar to Billy Billy, in that it has mm-hmm. similar demographics, and that like it's a lot of it is younger, maybe like first tier cities, but also this idea of like you know, I, I, given China's particular, you know, given how how tightly they control the internet, like it it is kind of hard to to sustain really like vibrant spaces. I I, I find. But it's this is a place where I mean it's not not always like that, but you can still find like pockets of really really strong vibrancy in that corner of the internet. Maybe Doban, there's a little bit of that too. But yeah, that's a, that's kind of been a, a way that I've seen this. But let's talk about it. Let's talk about them as a business. So I, one of the reasons why I think that they kind of bristle at the the Quora comparison is because I, I think that. You know what, Quora. I think that I mean I don't know. At least last time I checked, uh, they were valued at higher at more than than Quora. And also, just Q and A is not exactly like a profit engine. So, uh, what uh, from a from a business perspective, how should how, how should investors think about their business, not just kind of their space on the internet? I think this is one of the things that Zhihu struggles more with, because they have amazing traffic, they have a lot of users, but it has been a problem for them to kind of monetize their traffic. So I think uh, since 2016, Zhihu has actually tried many, many monetization models. They try to organize like paid events. Um, they try to offer online courses. They, I think, they at one. At one time, even tried e-commerce, but none of them like actually sticked. Like I think one of them, um, it was called I think it was like Zhihu Life or something. It really trended at one time. I think it was like between 2017 and 2018. So the business model of that is that um, you will pay someone to answer questions for you, but usually in audio, and. At that year, I think there are a lot of similar products. It was like really a prospering business, but then just after a few a year or two, people just got tired of it, and nobody's using it anymore. So I think Zhihu has tried a lot of things like that. Some of them got a little bit ex- successful, but nothing has become like a constant revenue stream. And so what we're seeing in their prospectus this year is that the revenue is still majority advertising. I think、mm. last year it was like something like eighty percent advertising, and this year they're kind of、uh, 
kind of make a difference about how they calculate it. So 60% of the revenue is advertising, and then 10% is like native advertising, which is still advertising. So that just means that they have a really like singular revenue source, and they still need to find ways to diversify it. So, so but by native advertising, is that like you have a company that answers a question, but then it has like sponsored answer or something <laughs> like that? Is that yeah, what, I think what it's, we mean? It's that and also how they like use algorithms to push this answer to potential users or to mm. potential customers because they are saying that like we are working with these advertisers to develop a plan that can reach customers like more smartly. I don't know how exactly that mechanism works, but it's definitely a lot of like trying to make it sound more natural, trying to make it appear as like a genuine user's experience instead of like a very uh, like brand uh, marketing kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that is part of it. I think that is one of the like the key things they want to work on in the future to increase more revenue. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see that. I mean, I've, for our listeners, like I've spent time working with and around Jerhu and the 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 vibe that I get is very similar to something like Reddit in that like the attitude is like well we have like this this good space online we don't want to over monetize it we don't want to like you know kill the golden goose and the way that they'll speak is like well you know we you know our number one priority is to have you know this 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 vibrant kind of uh, helpful space right where people can go to learn things right and I don't know some of that is like PR but some of that I think is true. But some of that I, I also think about, I think it might be a, a little bit of an excuse to not monetize. Um, we're, so, you know, well, oh, we're, we're too pure to monetize uh, is a little bit. So it's kind of the feeling that you might get sometimes. Uh, where do you come down on this? Like, is it that they can't monetize? Is it that they, they're, you know, they're not pushing hard enough for it or, or, or what? I actually, I don't think they're not pushing hard. I actually have seen mm. people like complaining like there are ads and everywhere. They're not really happy with that. I think the problem is actually this dilemma that they want to. So in the beginning, it was completely free. Like all the like premium content that people want to get from Zhihu is free of cost. So people kind of get used to that. And people say like, oh yeah, they're, they just have to be this users who are so generously coming here to share about their experiences and their and their knowledge without charging me anything um mm-hmm. and when people get used to that it's hard to change that mindset so when you, now when you're trying to say oh i'm going to give you the same content but i'm going to charge a fee for that people are going to get mad um, and also another layer to that is people kind of see if this person com- just volunteers to come here and t- teach me something, I can trust the person more. But if this person comes here to trying to make a business out of teaching me, but then I, I need to be more you know, suspicious towards what they're trying to say. And that really kind of harm the like the core community value is that people are just trying to share stuff and teach and educate each other i do think zhihu is 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 really hard to balance like how do you want people to they also want creators get paid it cannot just uh, expect everyone to come here and volunteer their answers you want them to actually get something from taking their time in building the community, but then yeah. some some of the users themselves don't want that. So it's a really hard dynamic to manage and they probably didn't do very well. So that's why they still don't there's they still have a net loss uh not right now. Yeah. There you know, so I'll just give a quick number check here. So in twenty nineteen they had about six hundred and seventy 
million RMB of revenue. And vast majority of that, 577 was advertising, 88 million was paid membership and content, content commerce solutions, which is this third group, was actually just 641,000 RMB. In 2020, that actually went up quite a bit to 1.35 billion RMB. Advertising, 843 paid membership more than tripled to uh, 320 million. Content commerce went up uh, also a lot to 135. Content commerce is that weird thing. They describe it like this in, in their prospectus. It's provide merchants and brands with innovative online marketing solutions that are seamlessly integrated into our online content community and assist merchants and brands to generate high quality commercial content that builds brand and enhances marketing. I mean, that's exactly like trying to, you know how like Google puts in ads that look like search right. results. Yeah. It's just like, it's just like that, you know, and their paid members, they had about 3 million MAUs and I had 3 million paid members in the Q4 of 2020 and they made 320 million RMB from them. So it's like a hundred, hundred RMB each, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. But also, I think in 2020, their like profitability is still a net loss of oh, yeah. 79 million, if I recall correctly. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely uh, well, EBITDA's negative, gross gross yeah. profit is positive, so they got they got that. It's about 56 percent gross margin. It is a VIE structure, and it's probably one of the cleaner VIEs I've ever seen just because they don't have a ton of subsidiaries. It's a pretty simple structure. There's basically five total companies. There's a Cayman company, a Hong Kong company, which then drops into Onshore, Beijing, Zhihu, and um, a Woofie. Uh, and then the Woofie has a contractual agreement with this Zhihu. Tianxia Technology Company, which I think has probably all of, all of the business there. Yeah. So let, let, let's talk about kind of moving forward. Let's talk about the best case and worst case scenarios. So, you know, we've talked about how they're, they're not yet profitable and that monetization, like without killing the golden goose, has, has been a struggle for them to find a balance at. But they've also had, you know, there's talk of partnerships. They've had a, they had an investment kind of a three-way investment with uh, Kwaisho and, and, and Baidu as well. I believe that was a year or two ago. So Zoe, wh where do you see, you know, the, the most optimistic uh, path for them going forward and also maybe the, mo the most pessimistic? I think it was you earlier that mentioned that um, Zhihu in some way kind of resembles uh, Bilibili. Um, I mm -hmm. definitely agree with that. I think actually Bilibili kind of represents a more optimistic future that Zhihu can hope to to achieve. Um, and my reason for saying that is Bilibili started as this very niche anime video platform, but right now it's m much more diverse than before. It actually has a tax uh, vertical now that people just, it's kind of just a work as a, as a forum. And also it has a lot of different kind of video content, not just anime. Um, so I think what is like the best way that Zhihu can hope for is that he actually is not just rich, rich, limited 
by a limited to what it has done before. So I know, I think it was either this year or last year, they started promoting more video content. Right now, if you open their app on the homepage, one of the five major tabs is like video feed. And they are, they have like a big, like a cash reward program, like trying to, trying to turn this tax creators into making videos. Um, so they, if they can achieve that, if they can successfully build a video community that people want to come to, I think that's actually a really good future for them because that means that you walk have people wanting for text text content video content maybe also audio in the future um and that diversity is what they want to keep attracting more users but then that's hard because right now there are a lot of video platforms already doing this kind of stuff Zhihu with mm. almost no video experience before it's hard to say whether they can actually make it so if they don't do that if they just keep what they are doing right now my fear is that people are just going to gra- gradually lose interest in them because i already think Zhihu is no longer like this spicy fresh companies fresh website that you want to go to it's more of like a necessity right now that you are familiar mm-hmm. with and you sometimes go back to them if you if they just keep it that way it's gonna it's not gonna be cool anymore and people mm-hmm. are just gonna going to find replacement in the future because at just one time maybe one time there will be a technology that emerged that make question and answer more interesting than how Zhihu does it so that's the thing I, I fear that like at, at this point you still feel like Zhihu has no direct competition in China but we don't know that about we don't know about the future we don't know in five years whether there's going to be a much much better solution to this kind of platform so for so Zhihu, like a bite a yeah. bite dance for example like yeah. you know it, if you have thinking. a short video Q&A or right. something like that that seems Right up there, Ali. Yeah. YouTube is already is already used that way as like a place to find answers to questions or how to do things. And I mean, there's lots of kind of educational learning content on YouTube. Yeah, and also also these things that I think right now the Chinese tech world is actually really obsessed with the educational market. Like every tech giant is doing that, and Zhuhu actually has a lot of like uh, advantage in doing that because it's already a learning platform. People come here to learn stuff and answer questions to to not answer to the questions. But I'm not sure whether they have either the resources or the talents to to win against companies like ByteDance or Alibaba because. They're essentially going to compete in the same field. If they can do that, I don't know whether, like, if they don't take a part in this educational market, I'm not sure what's their future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they've tapped out. I think they they signed all those deals with Baidu and Sogo and all the search engines to like take all their content into Exit and get it into the search engines. Mm-hmm. They get, I mean, I don't know if they can get much more juice out of that. <laughs> just just one anecdote. Uh, I, that was actually something I struggled with when I was reporting this piece. Because whenever you search Zhihu on Baidu or, or Google, the results are all content on Zhihu on their website. It's never <laughs> things that, it's never about like those coverage of Zhihu on other platforms. Huh. Um, so they, I think they actually did a great job there, like trying to make their, uh, websites, websites into the search results. Uh, yeah. But I hear. You. Yeah. So they got, they got the traffic out right. of it. They gave up all the content to index it, so you didn't have to go to Jerhu to search. Right, exactly. You, know, you went, you went to them. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, I don't know how far they can go with monetizing content and and like paid. I mean, it's you know, brands do that on their own blogs. They write their own content marketing. I, don't, I just don't know 
maybe maybe they can go far. They did increase it by a lot just in one year, but maybe that was to like make a good number for the IPO. But, um, <laughs> and is that and is that just milking just milking the their ad um, inventory? Is milking their 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 goodwill of that like if I mean if you're putting all of these paid paid content sort of commerce results in you're kind of you know you're you're diluting i mean like as as you said before the um you're you're ruining sort of the the reputation of the content the more you do that people are they're going to catch on at some point they're going to be like hey this seems paid i'm sure there already is that if you go on there you can probably find comments maybe they get scrubbed or not i don't know maybe they leave them yeah, so I mean, people aren't stupid, you know. And and Zay, Zay, to to pl- to to plug uh, uh your your colleague's work, I believe I don't have it. I believe Shen Lu, who's your your colleague at um at Protocol, I read something she wrote. I don't have it in front of me, but we we talked about Billy Billy. She she wrote what I thought I because I had, we had been we've talked about that on on the podcast because as Billy Billy has has kind of grown so much and for shareholders you know it's been been quite a good ride but there was a piece that she wrote recently about kind of how a lot of kind of the the core user base of Billy Billy does seem less happy now than they were for example like a year or two ago because they've kind of gone like what facebook did in like 2006 right where where at first it's you know this kind of community for college students or whatever and then then grandma joins (laughs) is that uh is that something that that we could see happening with jerhu is it already happening with jerhu where kind of the quality of the content might be you know worsening because in order to get more users they might have to bring on some people who maybe won't be giving the best answers, for example. It is totally already happening on about Zhihu. So remember, in the first two years of its life, Zhihu was an invite-only platform. That means like the initial users are were really elitist. And that's what drew people to this platform because they came here to hear from the actual like important people. Um it's, it's a little bit like Clubhouse in, in its like very early days, or maybe even still now, that mm-hmm. people come here because they say, Oh, I'm meeting, I'm actually interacting with like important investors, important professors, or just industry leaders from everywhere. And that kind of disappeared when you are just trying to get as many users as you can. Because right now, of course, when you are trying to reach more users, they are going to come from lower tier cities. They're going to come from diverse backgrounds. And that's probably not what the core users or the oldest cohort of users wanted. And I think, yes, mm-hmm. right now you won't really go on to go to Zhihu because you still want to, because you want to meet this like very, um, elitist community. That's not happening on Zhihu anymore. Um, you go there for like more, I don't know, down to earth or personal questions, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they still kind of have this like a little bit, still kind of hand on its own reputation a little bit. Um, like people still saying, yeah, there, there are some great co- content there. I still can meet professionals there. But if they're just going to keep expand and expand and eventually like all Chinese people are on this platform, it's not going to be a illicit platform anymore. It's not going to be a place where you can easily get high quality knowledge from there. Um, so that's something they really struggle with. If they want to keep bringing more, bringing in more users, they're just going to lose this quality. Do you think they want to go to lower tier users? I mean, I saw they're mostly in in tier one, tier one plus. 
Do you think they're going to try to go lower tier like a lot of uh, the big e-commerce platforms are doing right now? I haven't seen that from their past actions. Um, but one thing I read while reporting this was that they, uh, so so because they took investment from Kuaishou, right? And Kuaishou's user base mm-hmm. is known for being like a lot of them from rural places or lower tier cities. So I do wonder whether that means it might pi- uh, like pivot to a more rural population. But I haven't seen that yet. But also, I do think maybe by doing video, they can reach those those populations who don't who who like re, who, who don't like reading as much, um, because video is really easy to take in. It does save mm. you time than read like a ten thousand word article. So maybe they can help do that. But I'm not sure whether that's their primary purpose for introducing video to the platform. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I actually i I had um, I spoke with um, maybe they should get into podcasts. I know they've thought about this. The, the I mean, guy who, I'm serious, but I, yeah. I spoke with uh, with the head of their you know, Jerhu University um, program, I guess. And I don't like the. They, it seems that they though they thought a lot about podcasts, but I I, I felt like when if I was like, oh, you know. You should go into podcast. I felt like they were very, very polite, but I don't know if they, if they were uh, actually interested in doing it. One thing I do wonder, though, is that as we've seen kind of Clubhouse become as popular as it has, and it's it's something that if we look at the community who has really taken advantage of Clubhouse overseas, right? Kind of the tech community, the hobbyist community, you know, often educated people. It does seem to very, very closely map on. To to Jerhu, right, and Jerhu's user base, and what people go to Jerhu for. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they would do better focusing on what they have already instead of trying to go broader with like Show. It seems like it's just they wouldn't know kind of what it's what it means and what the content is that that they those people want. Just figure out what their users like and double down on that in some way will be probably better but yeah monetization is not going to be easy and um i mean billy billy's even tried just about everything with monetization too and they have a little bit of an easier time because they have kind of the t- the tailwind of video and the tailwind of user user generated content which jerhu has as well but they just don't they don't have the video yeah, you know, maybe it's hard right. to get someone right. to go from text writing to video. It's kind of a different skill unless you have a way to get them to upskill and teach them how to do it. I mean, yeah, I I think Jihu does have this uh program right now. I think it's called like Sea Salt Plan that they're just like giving out cash rewards to creators who are transitioning successfully into video creators. I don't know whether they offer like technical help, but I, I think they should because yeah, I think a lot of the names or the, uh, the accounts I, I see in that, I saw in that program were just like text creators before. So if Zhihu actually can help them in like building a video team, teaching them how to use this equipment, that will actually help. Otherwise, it's going to be a long and painful process for them to pivot to video. I think one of the reasons why I, I you know, kind of, you know, have gotten along with so many Jiru people so well is a lot of it is really millennial. Like a lot of these people are, you know, I'm almost 35 years old. A lot of the people that work there are, are kind of right around my age bracket. And I think we we all kind of share a um, a love of like 
maybe how the internet was 10 years ago, <laughs> where, you know, it's a lot more text. There's a lot more kind of excitement to it. It's a lot more kind of maybe a little more selective. It's not everyone on it, right? It's, it's, there's a lot more kind of like a community of people that are really passionate about things. And I think that, that, that is kind of the ideal that a lot of these, that a lot of the Jeru folks have in mind. And that's great. The question is, that's a $5 billion idea. Where's the $50 billion idea? And that's, that's something like Kwai Show. And I don't know. And we'll, we'll see where they go, but I don't, I don't know if, if, if that's where they're kind of naturally predisposed to, to go. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Also, just like uh, when I was in some of the, like, the clubhouse rooms, I did hear a lot of people like just reminisce about the earlier days of Zhihu <laughs> and talk about how they're similar. Uh, like a lot of people that first hop on clubhouse, also the, like, the people that first hop on Zhihu mm. and this very selective tag circles. Um, so they definitely love that feeling. Yeah, yeah. And it, but it's also like just so many, it's, it's just people that like, you know, they have so much energy, they have so much curiosity, they have like, it's just, it's right. really infectious. It's just, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's a, there's a ceiling to all that, which is, you know, for, for better or worse, that's kind of how it is. So anyways, James, any questions before we, uh, let say you go? Well, also, also those users are jumping to the mm. next thing right. and getting excited about the next thing. So, you know, that might not be the core anymore. I don't know. It's, it's complicated. Yeah, I don't have any more questions, but I feel like we should uh, we should check back in in I don't know six months and see see what's happened if anything's yeah. happened. They're go- they're 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 uh, they're only a five billion dollar company, so I don't know if they should officially go on our watch list, but they can go on our kind of watch list maybe. <laughs> Anyways, uh- <laughs> so they're five they're five billion dollars. Real quick, five billion dollars. They make about two hundred million dollars in revenue. So that is you know, it's a pretty big price to sales mm. right there. Twenty five X. Yeah, we'll see. But they did grow at a hundred and two percent or hundred two ish percent last year. I mean those those pre IPO numbers are always hard <sighs> to really know how. Yeah. They should have given more than two years of data. I mm-hmm. mean, they, this is like not an old. This is an old company. It's yeah. not a new company. They only gave two years of financial data. That's kind of weird. Yeah. I just yeah. They definitely have three or four years. Like they could definitely do that, but they don't want to because it it probably looks really bad. Yeah. I guess <laughs> that's the case. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, hence, hence, well, they have a lot of room to grow. So, anyways, Zi Yang, <laughs> thank you for joining us. <laughs> How can tell our listeners if they want to read more of what you write, you know, follow you on Twitter, that kind of stuff? What can they do? Totally. Uh, definitely follow me on Twitter, although my Twitter feed is not just the stuff I wrote, but also a lot of just sheet posting. Oh, yes. Um, a lot of Pokemon stuff as well, <laughs> if you are into it. Um, so yes, follow me, please. Uh, but also right now, I'm a full-time reporter. You gotta give us your Twitter <laughs> oh, handle. My, my Twitter handle is just my name, Zui Young. There, I think there's a slap, no. Is there something in between? No, it's just Zui Young. No space in between. There's not. I found it. Z-E-Y-I- Y-A-N-G. Exactly. Thank you. Um, But also right now, I'm a full-time reporter at Protocol, so I'm just writing for them right now. If you want to read them directly, uh, come to Protocol. Yeah, I love the stuff you guys guys put out. I mean, I guess technically they're a tech note competitor, but you can put out great (laughs) stuff. Anyways, I I recommend this as well as tech note stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, healthy competition. Anyways, so thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you for having (laughs) me. (laughs) 
Awesome. All right. We'll take care. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Bye. Yeah. Bye. Thanks again to Zhe Yang from Protocol for joining us to talk about Jirhu and what they mean for the Chinese internet and for investors who might be interested in them as well. Uh, make sure that you go to techno.com slash newsletters for your daily dose of China tech. And please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. We greatly appreciate it. So that's about it. Thanks, as always, and uh, we'll catch you all again next time for the China Tech Investor Podcast. Bye-bye now.